Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Verified. This is episode three of our quarantine season. Um, today we have two very special guests and I'll just let them introduce themselves and your relationship with art. My name is Obisil and I am a poet, a creative, a workshop facilitator, and I am also the host of a digital series called Momo's Mama Monday that explores the challenging um, situations of early motherhood. And my relation to art is um, I am an artist. I am married to an artist. We named our child after an artist. Our initials actually spell art. Um, so we are definitely, art is a family business. All right, sure, well, first. All right, so uh, <laughs> my name is Reynold Thomas. I am a visual artist, um, a painter, a teacher, mentor, and facilitator. Um, I facilitate a, well, I guess it'd be now a weekly <laughs> uh, virtual uh, drawing experience called Figuration, as well as mentor um, emerging artists and um, organizations who are looking to add an artistic experience to their to their workforce to help with their engagement of um, their associates. Uh, my relationship to art is I've been an artist for ever. Um, <laughs> my earliest time I remember creating is uh, back in school when I was the known guy for the bubble letters in elementary school, and that led right up to my my career now as a full time artist. I love that. When first of all, you're not only like my favorite couple. Um, but no, I will give you that. Um, but you're my two favorite individuals separately. And I've got to partake in some of your workshops at Ryerson and listen to you both speak and facilitate. And every time, like, and I'm not just saying this to hype you up, um, but I am a <laughs> hype woman. But every time I've left one of your sessions, I left feeling inspired and empowered and just like proud to be either just in my skin or even like in my mind. And I do refer to um, your affirmation cards a lot too. Um, and I've taken them to like write off pieces in my journal when I'm doing my daily affirmation. So this thank is you good. both. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, but just going off of that, you both have um, come to Ryerson, our campus, and have facilitated conversations and incorporated your art. So why is it important for you as artists to have important conversations just about being true to yourself and um, embracing your skin and being your identity? How do you explore that through your art and what's the importance of doing that? All right, so I'll go first. Um, for me, art is is very intertwined with with identity and um i feel that with the art that we create as artists it's our job to um explore stories and um and initiatives that people may feel that they may be going through or or feel within themselves but that they hold to themselves now art is is very visual as you can see my painting in the back um so with art you you see it you experience it now, us as artists, we have this this role and this uh, this vocation to to tell the stories behind the art and how those those stories express the people that we are that we're trying to speak for or or situations or societal issues that we're that we're using our art to to bring out. Yeah. 
I think for me, the biggest thing in terms of a relationship between my art and my identity, especially as a woman of color, more specifically a black woman, is the role of the artist is to tell the story, just like Reynolds was saying. But my role is to tell my story and to be the voice for people who look like me, who have the intersections like me. Um, so I'm not just speaking up for women through my art over the black community through my art, but I'm speaking up for young millennial black women, suburban moms, blah, 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 and so on and so on. Um, so that's really reflected in my art and especially with the ways in which my identities intersect. Um, I think it's so key to raise a, an awareness of our stories through our art. Our, the artist is supposed to be a reflection of the times of things that's happening in society um, and essentially highlighting and amplifying stories for a group of people um, in many ways. And so for me, it's so important to make sure that my art is addressing themes of my identity. A lot of the spoken word poetry that I share is based around identity. It's based in empowerment. It's written for me first. And if it makes me cry, then I know it's ready <laughs> because it means it'll make someone else feel the emotions that they need to. It's essentially finding the words that other people didn't have, but they had those emotions and then being able to use my art to express that for them. I love that. I want to know about, because art um, provides opportunities and um, it allows you to grow within yourself and explore your own individuality. And again, you're diving your own identity into your art. So what has been the biggest opportunity or more? So it doesn't have to be a big opportunity, but just the most important opportunity you've ever gotten from being an artist. Um, yeah, yeah, so I'll, I'll speak on one or two of them. I've been, I was published in a Australian um, uh, arts uh, anthology called um, The Leaders in Contemporary Illustration. So that's the top artist in, in the world that I was published in that. Um, I have it on our, our coffee table. Here. I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember the page number. I didn't put a sticky note in it. But that, that was very inspiring for me because um, I remember being back in, in high school and we're going through, you know, just art history, art history. And I was looking back and told my teacher in like the ninth grade, I'm like, I'm going to be in one of these books one day. And he kind of shuffled, like, yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of us wish that we were, but it's not really that possible. So, you know, don't get your hopes up too high. And, you know, flash forward, like 15 years later, I'm sort of going through it and be like, wow, this is this is something that I'm in. People are going to be studying my work, and uh, it's great to have that that recognition. Um, uh, another thing that I would say is, this past uh, December, I um, had my fourth solo exhibition, and it was um, definitely reminiscent for me because I remember, my, I remember my fourth one, my first one, just being four years prior to that, and how that came about was. I was saying I was gonna put on an art show for for years. I, mean, I think I think we met. And I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm into art. I'm gonna put on an art show, and then she's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was. I, I, I believe you. You know, we can do it. But then a lot of cases, I've been saying this for years, right? So people are like, yeah, yeah, you know, you, know, you do art, but maybe that never happened. But I walked in. I was like, yo, to the gallery. I'm like, I want to put on an art show, and he's just like, when? And then I was like, wow, this. It, it seemed like it was too too 
too easy to to be real, but you know, it was really just my time. And I think um, prior to that is myself building up myself as an artist, my craft, and my uh, and my collection to to when it was time to to take off. And I feel that's really reminiscent. So for me, I would say that the greatest opportunity my art has brought me is probably the opportunity to be a future ancestor. And um, everyone truly is a future ancestor, but I think, again, going back to what the role of an artist is, the greatest opportunity I have as an artist is to be a future ancestor and to create the present as the history I want my children, my child to, to live out. Um, I have an opportunity to amplify voices and stories that have not been standardly heard, much like Ramon had said, to be the representation that um, the future generations will need to create the history that what we were lacking when we were growing up. I think um, some of the most powerful moments for me as an artist um, prior to being a mother was when I had young girls coming up to me telling me that they had never seen something like that before or they've never seen someone like me before do it, or they never had a black poet before come into their school or something of that nature. Um, so those were always really uh, powerful and resounding moments throughout my career. Um, so I think that the greatest opportunity my art has given me is the opportunity to be a better future ancestor, um, to be a better mother, understanding that my words have greater power than I realize. Um, to ensure that the narratives and stories that I'm sharing are ones that are of empowerment um, and not just reflective of, um, of, of the standard, but reflective of the true nature of, of lived experiences. Yo, how, when she speaks, does it still sound like poetry? I'm so sure. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, <laughs> I literally was going to take my phone and be like, my words have greater power than I realized. Uh, that's so beautiful. But I've never heard anybody say that they want to become a future ancestor. That within itself is just beautiful and eye-opening too. And I think it's reflective too from the, the concept of a village raising a child mm -hmm. where it's the same thing when you're a parent, you tell your child something and they're like, eh, your mom, you're supposed to say that. Um, the teacher, yeah, you're the teacher. You're supposed to say that. But when they're hearing the same thing be reinforced by other people who aren't supposed to say that it helps to continue those lessons, those messages, those narratives that we're trying to instill in, in our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very, just taking this all in. Yeah, very, very true, very interesting. Um, so I do want to kind of bring Momo into this as in addressing her, um, just being in the space and what this time of COVID-19 has kind of caused artists to like sit in and deal with. I know that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you still work, um, but Ren is... is um, you're just 100% yeah full-time art um so are you still working are... I am not okay yes I am not um COVID-19 has definitely impacted my full-time employment um which uh it has forced me to have to process certain thoughts and emotions that I don't know I think is an added layer than a regular full-time artist may may have um, because when you have full-time work and full-time art, 
you you fully have to experience everything. <laughs> um, so I mean, as a full-time artist, I've had a lot of the experiences I'm sure that Ronald can speak to. Um, but as a, someone who was also full-time employed, it was one of those things where I still had to process the uncertainty. I still had to process um, what the long-term and short-term repercussions would look like. I still had to figure out what my schedule and my day would look like in the practical application steps of um, reorganizing my day and creating new routines and habits. Um, just grieving the, the fact that I would have to go into a workplace every day, those relationships that I had cultivated that were really, to be honest, situational. Um, befriending 60-plus-year-old men isn't usually in my everyday <laughs> art life, mm -hmm. but I mean, some of my, my great work friends are 60-plus-year-old men. <laughs> and so um, just just looking at what that looks like, how do you start to cultivate those those connections again um, it's very different um, from a traditional workplace standard than it would be in a that it has been in a in a more creative and entrepreneurial full-time um, artistic endeavor as well and hopping back from being in like the corporate world to being in the art world like you're saying it it's been like a balance of 50 50 and now that it's kind of like for me too just like either working from home or people who are not working at all I keep seeing on social media, it's like a battle of productivity. Like if you're an artist, it's okay to like just chill out, breathe, take time to just think about your life, like not do anything. And then it's like, no, this is the time to be the most successful entrepreneur and like sell your art because you have all the time in the world. So where are you on that scale? Uh, from For me, what what's lacking is is the understanding of the creative process now people believe that oh you have all this free time you should you should you should now be able to get your work into the ago that's, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's like the just skip a thousand steps and now now you can be a full-time establisher but the creative process for an artist man and i can speak to that solely is uh, my last project it took me entire an entire year to put together and that was me working as a, a full-time artist, and I was I was I was, I was working corporate uh, technology company for the beginning of the year uh, before I was um, working full-time as an artist. So now this this perception that um, you have whatever maybe up to three months to to do everything that you've aspired to do, um, I, I think what we're doing is we're putting a lot of pressure on on the artist, and we're not. We're not putting enough, um, I, I, I guess the word would be, I guess, I guess the word would be, not so respect, it's what I'm looking for. Um, under, I guess it's really understanding, an, an understanding of what a full creative process can be. For instance, I, I could create a painting or a drawing in 15 minutes, but I've had pieces that took me two years. Mm. So there's not, there needs to be an understanding of what that process looks like. Um, but also, uh, I, I, what I understand, what I'm, I'm getting what they're saying, well, you have time to be productive. Um, and I think from that perspective, it's more so you have time to put together your thoughts to, to aspire to, to be your greatest self. And that's something that I've always been um, teaching when, when I go through the mentorship programs and, uh, and even sort of the live um, experiences that I would create. Are you have, what you, your creative process has to entail and has to incorporate you trying, you attempting to be your greatest self as an artist and as, as and as an individual. And everything that you learn in between that process 
is what's going to lead to your greatest work. So to rush towards your greatest work because you may have three, four weeks off of work uh, may not necessarily lead to your greatest work and your full potential. Mm -hmm. It's confusing, right? Like I'm not Mm -hmm. always 100% on fire all of the time. Um, so, So I do have the the privilege to work from home but even today like it's a saturday um and i like when i'm doing things on the weekend like it's hard to one differentiate days like okay am i responding to emails on the weekend or do i just shut them off so that i'm 100 productive but even when i'm supposed to be 100 productive i'm tired um and being like 100 non-stop when you're in the workplace your energy drains so now i'm like oh is it time is this like god being like hey catch up on your burnout you're like about to fade or am i supposed to just dive in and push and still be like the hardest working me so there's the main thing that that's that stands out there is your health as an individual is should be and needs to be your your number one goal Mm -hmm. um so before before I'll call it a life before COVID. Is that, is yeah, it, yeah. Right? you can do whatever you want. But you gotta write it. I don't know. So you you should see my notebook. It's literally just empty pages. To do, to do list. <laughs> it's all. But yeah. So um, life before COVID, I, there'd be times I'd be literally pushing, pushing, pushing. And I was working corporate, and I would work nine to five. And then when I come home, I'd work from I'd work in my art from from seven till till eleven. And I'd work all day long. And then on the weekends, I'd drive to Philly. I'd drive to New York for art exhibitions. And what was, what what would happen is I would burn out. I'd literally, I'd literally get sick and I couldn't do anything for, for whatever amount of days. Where like my hand would start to hurt and I'd just try to learn how to paint with my right hand. <laughs> that would hurt. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can't paint it all. So that was really just something telling you that it's you need to slow down so what's what's really important is there needs to be a balance and your and your health overall needs to be the number one goal so going back to the initial question of where do we fall on the scale of productivity and rest during this pandemic i think the people who are saying you need to be as productive as possible they're saying this from the standpoint of we are not in a pandemic you now have all the time that you have always wanted and always said i was too busy to to use or to have to do the things you wanted to do. They're taking the mindset of you got this month off, do all the things that you wanted to do, but you never had the time to do it. Forgetting that we are in a pandemic Mm -hmm. and being in a pandemic means that we have physical, financial, mental, and emotional things that we need to process on a very practical scale. And that leads to the exhaustion, Vanessa, that you were talking about, for instance, these levels of uncertainty, this time of being in limbo, living this, collective consciousness that we have never experienced before is taxing and it manifests itself physically mm-hmm. we are we are people of routine regardless of how spontaneous you are when you wake up in the morning you usually have an idea of what your day looks like <laughs> but, <laughs> but to your but he does go as much as he likes to think he doesn't mm-hmm. but the fact is when you wake up there's certain things that you do usually you think about how do you spend the first 15 minutes of your day you're thinking whether you grab your phone, if that's a healthy habit, not healthy, that's not the point, but you might grab your phone or you head to the washroom or you say your affirmations or you do your prayer or whatever it is. The things you do in the first 15 minutes of your day will usually dictate what day it is and how you process through the day. The way, the first 15 minutes of Monday is going to look different from the 
first 15 of Saturday. But when every day looks like Saturday, you start to feel very taxed. Mm -hmm. So I think the people who are saying be as productive as possible are forgetting all of those background noise. I think the people who are saying rest are very much aware and cognizant that we are in a pandemic. But I think the fear with that or the potential with that is that some people will use that as an excuse because yes. there's a lot of people who will become inactive being like, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to live off of Netflix and quarantine snacks. We're in a crisis. So. We're in a crisis. I'll we'll do that tomorrow. Year. Right. But um, so I think it's about striking a perfect balance. And I think for myself, having been fully corporate and fully artistic, um, it, it's, it's been a process of trying to figure out, okay, now that my slate is essentially clear, how much time will I allow myself to process those emotions and properly grieve what I need to grieve, whether it's my daily routine or whether it's the fact that last week I was supposed to be doing a three-day conference in London, which is literally my most favorite city in the world. It paid to do what I love, but yet I was here wondering what I was going to do with my corporate job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I think... I, I have to let myself know it's okay to be feeling taxed. It's okay to, to grieve. It's okay to, to be wondering and processing and figuring out what things look like, especially in a time when we don't have that emotional support of the physical closeness of our loved ones and our friends. Um, but there has to be a deadline to mm -hmm. it. So what's, what's really important there is that's something we talk about all the time is exactly what everything that she's saying. It's okay to go through these emotions. But what's really important is not to stay there. Yeah. There needs to be there needs to be a time where you feel that you can, you know, uprise and okay, well what what's the next step? So if you don't feel like you can reach that next step and if you feel like you need to sort of stay in that sort of stat taxing situation, um, then then what's happening is you're plateauing. But my my goal and you know, especially when I'm doing mentorship programs is always strive to to be the best person that you can be yeah because mm -hmm. even if money wasn't a factor let's pretend that you got a ten thousand dollar grant before this all started and you could create all the art and work that you wanted to create let's pretend if the stores are closed and amazon's not doing same day shipping and vendors are closed and people who are creating products are closed mm -hmm. you cannot do what you do if you don't have what you need to have. And sometimes it requires us to have to process that. I'm a poet. I need paper and pen, maybe some technology if I want to type it out and get fancy. Mm -hmm. Staples only have one person in the store. <laughs> but no, but the, the fact of the matter though is that I can show up at any store. Any store will have paper, any store will have pen, pencil, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I can keep creating. Mm -hmm. But if I work in textile, if I work in beadwork, jewelry, paint, canvas, and these things aren't being sold or are not easily accessible anymore, I cannot do what I do to create what I create for the need that I need to create it for. And even for the emotional and mental release that I as an artist create for, um, I can't even use the, t the tools and techniques that I use to process and be healthy for myself. Mm -hmm. So even if we take away the financial component, which is still is not on, like diminishing it but even if we take that apart there's just so many factors mm -hmm. in what makes an artist that it's an entire process it's, it's an entire process yeah. the other day was my first time i've been an artist for, for millennia 
Uh, my first time actually ordering off of what was it, Desayers or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Desayers is closed. That's where I get my art supplies from. So I'm like, I need, I need new canvases. I need new paints. I need new charcoal. And it was my first time ever ordering off of these. So now this was changing my entire process of how I create. So I was like, okay, well now I gotta wait. Um, it was like three to four weeks for this mm-hmm. to come in. And before, part of my process was to go to these stores and to touch to, the charcoal. And to feel. So, yeah. like, my my work comes from inspiration. And my inspiration comes from people. So mm-hmm. if I can't connect with people and I can't connect with uh, what inspires me, my whole creative process is, is, has been set back. 100%. So I think the ultimate um, takeaway from what we're, we're mutually saying <laughs> is rest. Take the time to rest. Grieve. Take the time to grieve. Process. Take the time to process. Um, give yourself the grace that you need and give others the grace that they they need as well. Um, but also don't let that be an excuse as to why you're not doing something <laughs> to keep yourself active or engaged. I mean, you might not be able to create the standards that you would be able to want to, but you can refine your technique. Read a book. The library's great resources. Literally, so many establishments are giving away free resources. There's museums you could never have afforded to go to before. <laughs> digital tours. I mean, it's not the same, and I get it. I absolutely 100% get it. But if you've never been to the AGO, you can go now. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can still be consuming things. You can still be doing things that are going to inspire you or feed you in whatever little way it will to sustain you creatively. And then when time comes and we start to adjust and we get back to a new normal, um, you are, you're not completely depleted. Mm-hmm. A part of why I created the affirmation cards is to fill your well. If your well is empty at the end of this, it's going to be really hard when we get back to our new normal to do anything. So we have to be sustaining some level of this full well. <laughs> it doesn't have to be full and overflowing, but we have to have something in our well as we to carry us through and sustain us through this very unprecedented time that we're all mm-hmm. experiencing. And I mean, we're all experiencing it. We're all being impacted. We're not all being impacted the same, but we are all being impacted. 100%. Thank you for saying new normal. I saw on LinkedIn that everyone's like, yeah, like it's going to get back to like the way we were. And then someone wrote an article um, and it was about finding the balance of um, being productive, but also taking rest. And they said, as soon as this ends, whether that be in 2021 or in a month Tomorrow. or yeah, <laughs> yeah like... hopefully, um, but <laughs> it's not going to be the same because of the way we've been disconnected and just the way we're even interacting with people now. I went into the Dollarama with my sister um, who came to visit and it's like, even when she comes in her house, my house, like wash your hands, da, 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 da. like it's even a scare to like let my family in the house, which is something that's odd and it makes you like push away. But I love that she came in It made me be like, okay, we're humans. Like let's embrace and love each other. In the Dollarama, someone was like walking by and I was like, backed up and I was like oh to my sister I was like just let him pass first and it was like this idea that like that we can't even like yeah brush yeah. each other and Green. she's like yeah. she's like why are you being a weirdo like walk down the aisle and I was like oh 
And it was just like, I had to check myself. So definitely that is going to be something that we're like getting used to being around each other again. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. It's, it's one of those things, like, for instance, it's a, it's a point in our collective history and consciousness that will cause us to pivot. 9-11 was a point in our collective consciousness that caused us to pivot. We don't travel the same way we did mm -hmm. in 2000. September 10th, <laughs> 2001, <laughs> like we don't travel the same. We have, and, it's, and, and now it's our new normal. When we go to the airport, we know we have to reach with a substantial amount of time before, and we have to pretty much get naked, and we have to do all these things. You know what I mean? But it wasn't always like that. Mm -hmm. We will reach a new normal. We don't have to be okay with it right now because we don't know what that new normal is, but we have to be okay with knowing that things won't go back to the same way that it was. And it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it will be different. And we don't know what that difference is. And it's okay to feel unsettled and anxious about that, but it's not okay to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 100%. Um, and I do want to get into you both because you've been able to do this balance. Momo, um, Mama's Monday is still continuing and you're still doing your art figuration classes. So I want to dive into that. Has um, the viewership gone up now that everyone's isolated and just being online? And what is the process of like facilitating art classes online? I know Momo's Mama's Monday has always been online, but... Is the experience still the same being in self-isolation? What's the process now? Um, for me, uh, while Momo's Mama Monday has always been digital, the community has primarily been digital. Um, the biggest challenge has been on my end, more so than on the online community end. Because of the transitions in my full-time work, I wasn't able to um, consistently keep up with the editing that I needed to. I've had these episodes pre-recorded from like November. You'll see like three different hairstyles. <laughs> but the thing with it is I didn't have the, the resource of time on my side in that sense to be able to actually sit down and do what I needed to do because I had to delay my travel. I had to figure out my work situation. I had to figure out childcare at home with Momo and what does that look like with Reynolds still working but in the home and me working in the home and childcare it's like so for me it was much more on my end um the shift in the challenge being how can I be consistent I thought okay I have the time let me be consistent but I didn't actually have the time um because I now became full-time employee full-time artist full-time mom full-time housekeeper full-time all the rest of it while Reynolds being full-time all those things too and we all have to do it out of one place so for <clears> me it was less um what was my the digital response what was a community response and more what were my challenges and setbacks that I didn't anticipate even though it's already digital and I technically had all the more time yeah yeah so for me um it it added a few extra hats under my belt where um, I was I was working on the, the workshops, I was teaching, um, facilitating, and, and running mentorship programs. Now, those are all done uh, in person. So what I had to do was was be able to, to adapt and pivot quickly so that those can still remain operable. So um, there's, there's a community that we, that's on sort of in Toronto called All Toronto's Life Drawing Sessions. And what happened there was everybody, all the models, 
uh, and majority of facilitators who worked closely with institutions, uh, their their careers as 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 models was was cancelled abruptly. So they went from doing three or four different modeling games a day, uh, running uh, facilitators running three or four sessions a day, to there being now zero income coming from all of those platforms. So as my, my for myself as, as an arts manager, I wanted to ensure that there is there was something quickly that I can put to, put out that uh, I can be able to ensure that those those models have that security and ensure that the, the community uh, of, of artists and, and, and our enthusiasts remains thriving and flourishing. So we're definitely on a rise and then with there being something that comes and blocks us, there needs to be either we sort of fall and, and remain behind the block or we find a way to rise and, to rise and climb over. So I wanted to ensure that was something that I created quickly. Uh, since it's done digital, digitally, I'm, I'm able to, instead of running it um, monthly, uh, running the weekly now. And there's just people reaching out and saying, I'd like to be part of this. Um, I'm, I'm actually getting uh, more people who are participating, uh, either, either, either artists or, or people who just really want something to feel like they're connecting. Uh, and then what I speak on during those sessions is, how art is this um, this platform for connectivity, and this this opportunity for us to speak through vulnerability uh, of literally a live a live model who's in the most vulnerable state that you can that you think of that imagine was as for us as humans, uh, and then to have breakout sessions in between for us to speak on 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 how our emotions are being affected during this time, and how we can all speak openly on how we can create together and support each other. And I think to, to that point too, is from a business perspective, it's been an opportunity for Reynolds to be able to figure out that he could do something he never thought about. Not that he didn't think he could do it, but he never thought to even do it. Mm -hmm. So he never thought to do figuration weekly, just simply because doing it in person, you need the venue, you need to make sure people are coming, blah, blah, blah. But if people don't need to leave their house and they have nothing else to do with their time, you can do it weekly. And now it's not just thinking about geographical locations of, okay, well, how many times can the same person come out to these events? It's now I get to increase my reach. His friends in LA, for instance, San Diego, is it? San Francisco. San Francisco. They wanted him to come out for figuration this year to host a, figure, a figuration event there. But now they're able to fully engage with it digitally mm -hmm. in a way that wasn't something that we thought from a business perspective was going to happen because we never thought to do it. Mm -hmm. So this situation has really forced us to get innovative with our approaches from a business perspective as well. In a way, it's allowing it to be more accessible too. Mm -hmm. If everyone's at home and has um, the resource to Wi-Fi, you can connect. And I think that is so beautiful. And after this, I like hope that you two are like flourishing and so successful because again, you broaden your reach of who's tuning in, who's listening. Um, I saw one of my friends, Ebony, share and she was one of your models. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know you, you two knew each other. So that was so sick. Um, just like the way in which Toronto is working and connecting, I think is really cool. But then to know that other cities across the world are also being like, hey, you're really talented, hop on board too. I think that's super dope. Um, I do want to touch into your name as the art family and kind of dive into you two as a couple and both artists. 
do you ever interact and engage with each other throughout your artistic process? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, she has been pivotal in, in color palettes that I've chosen. I, I asked her, I asked her literally everything. What is the <laughs> yeah. like? blank canvas I bring home? What should I paint? And she, she's not, she's not a visual artist, but, but I feel that there's a sort of connectivity that we have, um, with, without words that we sort of speak through, through the arts where she understands where I'm going with something or my, or my thought process. Cause she'll, she'll, she'll often ask me, what am I thinking about? What am I feeling? And I'm not good at talking about that at all. He's improved tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I will show you because I'm visual. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm, she's like, well, I'm looking at a blank canvas. You can't show me your emotions unless you can speak and process them. So I've, I've been working towards that. And that's what actually been um, pivotal in me being able to speak about uh, my art and speak about um, emotion, power, emotion right? and power through, through art and, and body positivity. So something that I worked on for, for years on end, you know, I, I have these drawings, I have these paintings, and um, it's through conversations that we've had and, and um, her showing me inspiration of to, either through herself or her words. I, I, my last, one of my last paintings was actually solely inspired by one of her poems that she did live. So we were working at, we were doing this one event. Um, she was doing a spoken word upstairs. I was like, perfect, that's exactly what I want to work on. So I went down, I finished the painting, and it was solely, solely um, reflective on the words that she showed. And there's another painting I was listening to her before we were married. I don't know if I played this, but you're doing a, a, a radio recording. Oh, right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And it was this painting I was stuck on for literally two years. So. Was it Queen Movement? Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm the worst <laughs> painter ever I could. I'm, I can't do this. But yeah, it, was, it, was a, it was a radio recording that she was doing, and she was speaking about um, just real personal issues that she's never told anybody before. I'm her parents. Yeah, my parents, so after like, that. So like, I feel honest, you're not telling me. You gotta let it on. Like, this is really what is going to inspire this painting to get me to that step where I never never would have been able to reach before. So the being And that's to... one of my favorite paintings of his. Wow. Yeah. I think um to Reynolds' point as well, like sometimes if I forget a line in my poem, I'll be like, Reynolds, what's the line? Like it was in the audience people are like, what's happening? And it's like, blah 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 blah. Or I know my poems so comfortably that I won't know which piece I want to do and it'll be moments or even sometimes I'm up on the stage behind the mic and I'm like okay so which poem do I do do I do this one about my childhood life or do I do this one about my hair or whatever else and then I'll hear it <laughs> <laughs> um or someone will say hey which poem do you want to do and I'm like I'm gonna do my husband's favorite poem and they think I'm coming up to do like a love poem which I don't write but like a love poem or something and I'm going up there and I'm like black people are amazing <laughs> <laughs> and you're like what you were expecting that to be your husband's favorite poem yeah, but you, um you assume that we that we would over like you know into like lovey dovey arts yeah stuff, but we're not yeah we're not like we're we're very affectionate people towards one another and, to, and like our friendships and relationships we're very much all the time. it's true he still makes me blush which is good <laughs> yeah um, we've been together for eight years sometimes he's excessive so i ignore it actively um we are all about love and supporting things <laughs> we're all about love supporting love 
um, helping, we actually like mentor couples who are looking to get engaged or married and we, to know of like, hey guys, this is a service we offer, especially like people coming and asking us questions. Say, I say all of that to say that we, we love love, but it's not necessarily reflected in our work in the way that people anticipate, hmm. especially because we work so closely as a couple. Um, one of the, the instances that stand out in my mind um, creatively for us is I started performing three weeks postpartum after giving birth to Monet and I had her in the carrier and it was at Reynolds art show. And we thought, Oh, well, she probably won't do well with being up on stage. So we took this little tiny baby out. He held her and she was not having it. So about two weeks, three weeks after that, um, we performed as a family for the very first time and Reynolds was live painting in the back. Monet was in the carrier I was performing poetry and it's like a whole, it, that was really like a stake in the ground of saying, this is how we will move and operate as a family. We will do things together. We will support each other. Um, he's left-handed. I'm right-handed. We always say that we, we are fully <laughs> equipped on both sides um, it, because we, we balance each other out in that sense. Um, but that, that moment really solidified what it meant for us as a family and as a couple of how we were going to operate creatively um, in the family business, essentially, how we were going to support each other, how were we going to encourage each other creatively um, in terms of, for instance, even during this COVID time of asking, do you need some time alone? Do you need space to create? Do you need to go upstairs? Do you need to go for a walk? Giving each other that distance. Yes. <laughs> giving each other that distance. Um, to, to do the things that I think that if we weren't both equally creative, we wouldn't have a fulsome understanding of why that person needs the room to do those things. So I think that moment when we performed together as a family was really a turning point for us of saying, okay, this is how we are going to move forward. This is how we're going to, this is our ideal of how we're going to continue operating as a family, as a business, as business partners. I'm the one who, hosts his events essentially <laughs> i'm the one who's making sure like from a back end like did you do this did you do this do you have a license to do that? <laughs> um making, making sure that he has food and that's turned into my side hustle side hustle where i have um a charcuterie board business now because of um, promptings of other people in the community who want what they saw that i was providing at his events so just full-heartedly supporting each other and filling the gaps of whatever that looks like for one another. I love that it's side hustle after side hustle after side hustle, but it comes from the support of each other and being like, oh, I'm good at that. That wasn't something, I, again, I expected, but it was an opportunity. Now I'm going to take it and make it into something flourishing. That is right. that is really dope. Yeah, I, I just trying to things up all the time. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> There's a, there's, there's a spoken word thing that you could be doing. Yeah, week. or like, oh, so-and-so's going to be calling you for an interview. Or can you write a bio for this artist? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell them you could. You'll do it by Friday. So. <laughs> <laughs> like you're a family business. Yes. I hearing i never knew that that you offer a service to um coach couples who are engaged and want to become married what advice would you give to a young creative couple who are in different paths of art um who are just starting off their their romantic relationship be friends yeah i think that's the fundamental i genuinely enjoy her company 
I think I think that's what's I think that's a piece that's missing in, in some romantic relationships where I think well even past relationships and then you know time goes on I'm like I I don't actually really like this person. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 truth, the truth is, you know, truth is the truth is the truth. Like, do you actually genuinely care about this person? And do you actually genuinely enjoy their company and mm-hmm. friendship? Be, beyond romantic. I beyond think romantic. A, a, and a perfect example is what we're going through right now with being in isolation. You cannot I disagree with this point. <laughs> you cannot be in a high state of romantic activity and involvement mm-hmm. continuously consistently because it's not real life. Um, if you can't exist with this person that you are with right now in this moment, you may not have a very strong romantic relationship as much as you think that you do. If you can't just have engaged conversations about nothing essentially (laughs) like you know what i mean that then that might be something you want to work on Mm -hmm. it's not just about like yes you need to know yourself yes you need to have grace yes you need to love yourself all that good stuff but at the end of the day if you can't enjoy this person's company just for the sake of enjoying this person's company there might be a problem also knowing how to exist independently Mm -hmm. um while existing simultaneously Mm -hmm. because we can be in the same room together existing independently but we're literally on the couch together and it's not because we're behind our phones doing different things it's because we know how to exist as individuals Mm -hmm. and we have figured out how to exist um together and be compatible in a sense because we are friends um we can exist simultaneously and independently yeah, at, at the same time. So it's um that it, it it's it's something special, and you know that it'll work when you can just be in the same physical space with that person. But that's not a hindrance to you in you existing individually as well. I love that. Thank you both so much. Um, we are going to play a game. If if you were in the office, we had this whole setup with cards. So uh, our producer created uh, a game. It's like most likely to. So it's kind of the knockoff of the um, the, the filter. Yeah, the tilt. Yeah, the head tilt. Um, so we played this at our wedding, but we did a shoe game where it's like I had his shoe and my shoe, and then it's like who's more likely to, and then you put up the shoe. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're the shoe game. <laughs> I love that. Okay, that's fire. Um, <laughs> Okay, who is more likely to go to the museum most often? Both of us. Most likely. No, I I was going to the museum. I used to work at the wrong. So oh. like, oh, pause, pause. but I'm gonna put this disclaimer out there. She's gonna make this into the most compliment. Com- no, I am not. Complicated game. You're, no, I wasn't making it complicated. I said both of us. Pick a shoe. That's yeah, not. Okay. Um, who is more likely to live in a big city like Toronto or New York? Oh, definitely Reynolds. Okay. <laughs> who is more? He's a city kid. <laughs> where, so you were born in Toronto. Yeah. Where were you born? I was born downtown, but I grew up in Jadeshow. Oh, you're like a Toronto man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Who is more likely to watch romantic movies? Oh, me, definitely. Okay. Um, Who is more likely to be in a choir? Um, 
Reynolds. Me. He actually was a choir boy. Interesting. I'm yeah. learning so much. Um, who is always happy? Me. Lie. <laughs> Mo. Momo's always happy. <laughs> 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 who is more likely to hold hold their breath the longest? Oh, me. Oh, definitely. Cheers, cheers. I got, I got this acute breathing disorder. It's not, it's not serious. It's called asthma. <laughs> it's an acute breathing disorder. Um, who is more likely to go bungee jumping? Oh, she is. She's insane. Yes, definitely. Interesting. Reynolds afraid of heights. I am not afraid of heights. I have a slight discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> the power of one. <laughs> yeah. Who is more likely to become famous? Both of us. I like that. Okay. But I'm kind of big. Uh, she does. I can start to retire. <laughs> <laughs> Get that Oprah money. So just, I, what, what's Oprah's like, dude's name? What, Curtis? What's Oprah's dude's name? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So, so. Oh, I just want to be Stedman. That's actually goals. Um, I would love to have Oprah money. I'm just going to manifest right? that right now. Um, yes. <laughs> Who is more likely to be a stand-up comedian? Me. Yeah, he wouldn't be good at it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who is more likely oh, to start an argument first? Oh, definitely. Me. <laughs> I am the worst person to argue. Yeah, he is. Half the time, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> Who is Momo's favorite? I'm her best friend. She tells me every day. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, me. I'm her best friend. <laughs> A mama's girl. Okay. <laughs> So the <laughs> the game is done. Excellent. <laughs> um, I don't know who won that. I do. <laughs> Who's most likely to think they'll win at everything? <laughs> we'll keep going till I win. <laughs> um, so our very last question, we do it for all of our um participants who come onto the show, and it's kind of just in capulates the name of what verified is um because that is what our podcast is named so we ask every um participant who comes on if they could redefine what verified means what would you create or define it to the meaning behind it my mind jumps to opportunity i'm thinking the reason why I think that verified, if I was to redefine it and talk about what it could mean, based off of its original definition of being a way of like almost validation outside of yourself, I would say verified would then become internalized. So it would no longer be a process of the select few um, determining what is the ish as much as it would be you need to determine what's the ish for yourself. What is your standards of success what are your standards of love what are your standards of beauty and and operate from that place understand that it'll be influenced and impacted by your lived experiences not a collective consciousness understand that it will be impacted by what you aspire to as a future ancestor not what someone else is telling you and dictating to you what your your aspirations should be so i think it's ultimately if i, I was to redefine verified it would be taking it from outside validation to internal introspective validation i love that 
I'm all with what she said. <laughs> he, he just gave a Stedman answer. <laughs> yeah, that was very beautiful. Um, so at the end of every episode, we allow you to shout out yourself and what you're doing, all of your platforms. Where can we find you? Um, what are you doing in the city? How can we share or get involved with your work? Wicked. That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at R-E-N-Z-Z-Z-A-R-T, that's Rens Art. If you want to find me uh, for any corporate opportunities, you can find me by my government name on LinkedIn <laughs> at Reynolds Thomas. Uh, I am currently working on uh, mentorship programs, artistic workshops focused on artistic development, as well as figuration, the life drawing experience. So we're going virtual with that weekly on Tuesdays. So you can either look for that on my on my webpage at www.rthomasart.ca or on my Instagram. Um, and we'll have a link to my Eventbrite um, invitation from there. So what's really key with that is I'm focusing on also providing uh, financial opportunities for, for models and, and, and the arts community. So um, the the figuration experience and workshops have been focused on um, those who are interested to provide donations, uh, and that would be going to support of of, of those who uh, in the arts community who have been out of the country. I love that. Thank you for doing that. Actually, I feel like the models and the artists would want to thank you, so I'm going to do it for them. Thank oh. you. That's dope. <laughs> And for me, my name is Alistal. It is spelled A-L-Y-E-S-T-A-L. I am literally the only Alistal <laughs> on the planet. So you, all of my handles are Alistal. Um, my website is alistal.com. And there you can find um, access to my Think Differently affirmation cards. Um, you can also download the free habit tracker there if you need a little bit of assistance in being able to... Um, process the things that you want to accomplish in this time and not necessarily the 57 languages you want to learn, but it could also be the fact that you just want to make sure that you're drinking water and you're moving your body every day. Um, uh, right now, what I am working on is my poetry manuscript. I am also working on new episodes of Momo's Mama Monday. And a part of the Momo's Mama Monday initiative is, again, I am receiving donations as well from people within the community who would like to support moms and families during this time, especially those with young children and multiples, um, in the form of um, grocery card, gift cards, um, diapers and wipes, just helping them get the bare necessities that they need. So I am receiving those donations and feel free to contact me through email at alistal.com. <laughs> and um, yeah, be sure to check out on Mondays um, the latest episodes of Momo's Mama Monday. And that can be found on my IGTV. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you, Momo, for making a, an appearance. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Momo. You say hi? You say hi? <laughs> um i hope you all stay safe and good luck with everything i'm definitely gonna check you out and make sure that i'm doing my best to support you all as well but thank you so much for being here and sharing your stories and just your experiences and what you're doing right now always inspired by you both so thank you so much well thank, thank you, you. <laughs> yeah.